Welcome to We Grow California with your hosts, Darcy Villery and Darcy Burke, a safe space to discuss water, agriculture, and what makes California grow. We have guests from those who just drink water to those that make water policy, all passionate about the water issues that face all Californians today. Join the conversation by liking, subscribing, sending in your questions, and submitting your request to be our guest. Let's get this conversation started. Welcome in, everyone. Today, it's my honor to uh, introduce Rick Shintaku from South Coast Water District to We Grow California. Uh, Rick, it's great to have you. I've had the pleasure to know and work with you for, um, gosh, a couple decades now, probably. Um, and will you just tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and your involvement with the Doheny Ocean Desal Project? Sure. Um, well, first of all, thank you for having me. I really appreciate being here. And anytime I can get out there and talk about the project. I, I really appreciate that. Um, so yeah, th this project, I usually start with this project has been 18 year, years in the making. So it, it just turned an adult and it's just getting its driver's <laughs> license. We're, <laughs> we're in the permitting stages right now. Um, and, you know, hopefully by December, uh, this project will have its driver's license. And I could talk a little bit more about that in terms of myself. I've been in this industry for more than those couple of decades, but it's, it's been great to know you, Darcy, uh, during that time period. Um, I've had a, uh, a long time at the city of Anaheim as well, public utilities. So I was experiencing the groundwater basin issues and other holistic water issues. And now I've been here at South Coast Water District for seven or eight years now. And coincidentally, it was right when South Coast Water District took over uh, this Doheny Ocean Desal project in 2015. I'll, I'll stop there. Thank you. Well, you, you make me laugh because I can't believe it's been seven or eight years, but but I guess it has been. Time time really it goes has, quickly. Yeah. 18 years, man. This is a seriously long gestating project. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry, Dad, missed it because somebody walked in my office. Like, is where where is it going to be located, and how much water do you think you'll be able to produce? Yeah, good question. So it is located the wells. So the wells are the. I'll talk about the wells. What makes this project unique is it uses slant well technology. And so those wells are drilled at a 10 to 12 degree angle, about a thousand feet out uh, under the ocean floor. So they never breach the surface. So these wells will be located at Doheny State Park. They won't be on the beach per se, but they'll be more in the grassy areas. So they'll be more, uh, you know, inconspicuous out there and, and not uh, interfere with any of anybody's beach uh, experience out there. Um, we also have, we own the land for the treatment plant, which is roughly 1500 feet north of the beach. And we have 10 acres reserved for an ultimate potential capacity of 15 million gallons per day. Uh, what we're permitted for is a 5 million gallon per day project. So hmm. uh, if, if all goes well and, and 5MGD is shared by us and some neighboring agencies, then this could uh, go, go on to be a more of a regional project to serve uh, a larger area from there. You know, Rick, it, it started out as a regional project, as you know, and mm -hmm. partners have come and gone over, over time. Um, can you tell me kind of what partners that you have committed now and um, where they're located and what the estimated cost of that, of that 5MGD plant is? Yes, definitely. Um, 
So our board wanted to make sure we were providing any potential partners enough information, including the financial information. So uh, that financial analysis was completed in September of 2021. And at that time, our, our board had decided, hey, let's go look for partners at this point. Um, uh, the, I'll, I'll give you the Cliff Notes version. Basically, if South Coast were to build a two MGD project, because that's technically all we need in an emergency. If we were to build a two MGD project standalone, the impact to our ratepayers would be roughly $7. If we built a five MGD project, uh, and using the economies of scale and took two MGD of that water and shared the other three million gallons per day, then the impact to our ratepayers, our average residents would be $2.38. Is that's that a per, month? Sorry, Rick, that's per month, basically? Per, per month, I'm sorry. Per month? Yeah, okay. per month. So you can see the economies of scale of building that larger project. And because this project would have uh, significant emergency benefits, and I could get, get into that a little bit later too, you know, the, the thought process is the region would benefit from this project. So why not look at our neighbors and see, you know, how interested they are. So, so we, we've started that process and there's been some interest. Um, San Clemente has been interested and, and they're in the process of getting us a letter of intent. Laguna Beach County Water District is in the process of, of making a final decision on a letter of intent. Um, where I recently spoke to Moulton Miguel um, and, nothing concrete yet. Uh, Santa Margarita, uh, that presentation is coming up. So th these are all our local neighbors. Um, on top of that, um, the regional wholesaler, Metropolitan Water District, has shown interest in this project. Um, we haven't defined what that partnership would look like or could look like in the future, uh, but we're in the process of talking to them. There's also been inland agencies interested in a potential paper transfer uh, with us. And, and we all know the situation in the Colorado River. And we know other states such as Arizona and Nevada really need these water water supplies. So any type of trans transfer deals uh, that we could work in, similar to how San Diego County Water Authority is pursuing these type of deals, uh, could be an avenue we end up going in as well. And Rick, you just use a term I think most people don't hear often. I know I don't hear. what What is a paper transfer? So paper transfer is for example, Arizona is getting their supply off the Colorado River, and it's a finite supply. Um, if we were to produce an amount, let's just say five million gallons per day, or fifty, let's let's call it fifty-three hundred acre feet a year here of ocean desal water, we would, in a paper transfer deal, we would take fifty-three hundred acre feet a year less of metropolitan water. Uh, through the Colorado River, and they would take that amount more. So it, it's just as simple as that in terms of a, a trade there for water. So Rick, you, you mentioned some cost of $7 per month per um, customer or ratepayer household. That's the capital project, correct? Or does that include the cost of water produced? That's all in. That's so, all in. So what's hmm, the acre foot come out to? So... And keep in mind, we're replacing metropolitan water supplies with this this project water. Yep. So if we're looking at the delta cost increase between project water and metropolitan supplies. So a lot of our, our listeners are farmers and ag, so they wouldn't know what an acre foot of water costs in metropolitan, sure. full treated, delivered. 
So if you can tell our listeners that, plus what yours is or what the Delta would be, I think that would be important. Tell me, Rick, I'm the farmer she's talking about. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds good. So Metropolitan's all-in cost roughly is about $1,200 to $1,300 per acre foot. And that includes some peaking surcharges that differ with everybody and what they call readiness to serve. So those are variable costs depending on what agency you're with. So they're roughly twelve to thirteen hundred dollars an acre foot. Now, if you fast forward to when this project is going to be built, into you know theoretically by 2026, 2027, uh, Metropolitan's forecasted to have their rates roughly around fifteen hundred dollars an acre foot. Now, our project costs would be um, roughly three hundred dollars more than Metropolitan at that time period, and. Keep in mind that's still in flux because we're still chasing down grant money. Um, you know, we would still have, to, we're, we're going to go through what's called a, a progressive design build operate project delivery. So that's a fancy way of saying that we reduce risk to our ratepayers by having the, the operator accountable and the fact that we can do a, a 60% design and get a guaranteed maximum price. So at that point, we'll really know what that cost difference will be. And then that's where our partners would play a part in this project process. I'm, I'm curious because I know a lot of, it's talked a lot about uh, in the state and I know I've spent a lot of time with, and specifically I'm thinking of conservation and we've done a lot of drip irrigation out here on the farm, but um, why, why is this project needed as opposed to just maybe putting those dollars to greater conservation? Yes, excellent, excellent point. So. South Coast Water District, first of all, believes foremost in conservation and water recycling. Uh, in fact, we had one of the highest uh, conservation results during the last drought when compared to the 2013 numbers. And we've been developing water recycling since the ni- mid 1980s. And, and right now we use about 70% uh, or, or we produce about. Se- okay, let's start. Sorry, <laughs> that. Sorry that again. So. We, we push uh, sewage to the coastal treatment plant. And currently we recycle 70% of that sewage going into the coastal treatment plant and with goals to recycle 100%. So that's all part of our, our comprehensive water portfolio. Where it gets different here is that now in terms of a drinking water supply, if there were an emergency and we have five fault lines between us in South Orange County and the Deemer treatment plant where Metropolitan, uh, that's their last uh, leg of treatment before it comes down to South Orange County. If one of those uh, fault lines were to rupture, we're looking at two months or more loss of that imported water supply. So conserving your your way out of that is very difficult when we're all 90% dependent uh, on imported water. So mm-hmm. you, you know what that would look like. That would be an ugly, ugly situation. Um, we'd be able to conserve about 50% by turning off all landscape water. But other than that, to get to that 90% would be almost impossible. Well, and so Dar- that's- to, to add to that, Rick, Darcy, you can't conserve your way out of a drought. Oh, I know. I've got <laughs> drip fields that are totally empty, like that are fallowed because I conserve, 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 then just, okay, there's nothing there to put through these systems you put in, you know? So I totally appreciate the need for this municipal project, you know, for, for project that's for municipalities. And, and I guess my, my oh, sorry, you go ahead, Darcy. No, I, I was going to just say, you know, um, the other part to, to Rick's comment is there's only two pipelines 
that bring water to South Orange County from that Deemer plant. And um, they weren't made yesterday, to say the least. Yeah, I think the Alan, Mapu- Alan McCullough is the, the youngest of the two, and that is in the 50s when the Municipal Water District of Orange County was formed to actually, that was the purpose of forming that agency, was to build that pipeline. So I'm at right. 1950s, not 1850s, because I know um, in the in the Central Valley, the water rights go way yeah. back, and they might be thinking really? the, the wrong, oh yeah, <laughs> wrong millennium. So <laughs> well, we'll just get the right century going here. Um, why do you think Doheny um, should move forward in the process, and where are you in the process? Okay. Um, so our board and our community are the ones who think it should move forward. I just take direction from both of them. And, and what we did was we did a community survey, uh, in May of 2020. And if that date sounds familiar, that's right after the pandemic had hit. And the reason why we did that was there was so much financial uncertainty at the time. We figured we'd get our worst case answers at that point. So we did a customer survey and with a brief project description, the favor rating was still in the 70 uh, plus percentile. Then with defining the project further, it went up to about 80%. And then when we hit them with critical statements, and this wasn't coming from us, this is coming from FM3, a survey firm, um, and said, one, you know, shouldn't we be doing more conservation? Shouldn't we be doing more recycling? And by the way, aren't aren't we all a little bit apprehensive what's gonna happen with, with the financial situation with the pandemic occurring? So we hit them with those statements and the favor rating still only went down to about 72%. So that gave us a signal. And then we asked them about what are you willing to pay per month for, an, for a residence to get this you know, drought-proof, reliable supply of, of Doheny Ocean desal water, and the results were surprising as well. So there were there were, um, and I, I don't have it in front of me, but uh, I think it was roughly sixty or sixty-two percent willing to pay fifteen dollars per month wow. more. And and you recall what I was getting at with the, our board making that decision. So we're landing in this two dollar to seven dollar range, and that's basically what told us, okay, these folks really want this project. They want this reliability as part of their, what they pay on their water bill. And that was an important signal for our board uh, in terms of moving forward with this project. Now, where we are is we're in the, in right smack dab in the middle of the permitting phase. So in March, on March 9th uh, of this year, we hit a major, major milestone. And that was uh, getting approval by the Regional Water Quality Control Board uh, for the brine discharge in, in the ocean outfall. And we were able to prove that it's a de minimis effect on, on the ocean. And this was a discharge component. And you know we also have the slant well component, which is definitely a preferred uh, environmental and regulatory approach. So we're lining up those check boxes on a responsible project. Uh, so that's the first uh, permitting hurdle that, that we've reached. Now uh, we're looking at the Coastal Commission and that could come as early as October of this year. Um, and after that is the State Lands Commission. And after we complete that, we we finish the permitting milestones at that point. And then we would be on to, our board would have to make a tough decision to green light that project or not. 
if all goes right through through a design build process, then the project would would come online in 2027. Can I just say when it all goes right? Not, not yeah, yeah. I, I, I really do hope it goes through because this this dependable part is, I think, the thing that, like I said, just really hammers it home to me, right? Just you really cities need that kind of thing. I think we all need and that but, kind of thing, you know? Oh yeah, yeah, I know, but you know, um, I can't, and I'm I don't want to downplay what we do, you know. If, if push comes to shove, I I fallow, but that's not great for any number of reasons. But it's you know, I I really do believe. Uh, more we can do to be dependable for cities, I think we should, you know. Um, Rick, can you Thank tell you. a little bit about how is this slant well, how it's different than a um, a typical well that, that people may know and, and why this particular geological formation um, is appropriate for this type of technology? Because I know people um, have always said to me, well, why don't we just do it that way all up and down the coast? And, and that's not always feasible, right? Uh, depends on, exactly. on the geology. So can you explain a little bit about how you're actually intaking that water and, and what the process is? Definitely. Um, good question. So the slant well itself, people have tended to hype it up as a completely brand new technology. Well, first of all, it's not. And then Darcy, you're well aware, MODOC many, many years ago piloted this slant well technology with a smaller scale well. It was roughly 350 feet long versus the 1,000 feet that we're looking at. <clears throat> and, and that was drilled, and it operated successfully for, you know, multi-years. Uh, Monterey then took that technology forward and drilled a longer well, a 750-foot well, um, basically at, at this 10 to 12-degree angle that I'm talking about for our project and that operated very successfully as well. So those are two key projects on the ocean waterfront, a slant well uh, that have given us the confidence that this technology will work. Plus it's been used uh, throughout the nation and, and others, uh, mainly be beneath rivers and for brackish groundwater technology, but it has been used and it's not a brand new technology there. So, um, why it's preferred is it never breaches the surface. And, and what, if you can imagine the ocean floor, it's going at a 10 to 12 degree angle, a thousand feet out. And you have perforations in there, just like a normal vertical well. And it pulls it in at such a low velocity, you, you don't disturb the ocean at all. So this has become the preferred technology and, and why we're moving forward in that I and I apologize I, I forgot the second part of your question there. Uh, well, I, you're, you're answering the question, so so it's fine. I, I just wanted people to understand that the ocean floor actually acts as a filter and it doesn't really move. Yeah. So, so you're you're improving yeah. the water quality on the intake side. You're not harming the environment, um, and it's aesthetically benign. You don't even see it. You don't see it. All you see is a manway, a vault, if you will, in the grassy area. And we have the ability to put that, you know, in, in areas that aren't being played on uh, as well. And we can artificial turf cover it. And I do remember now your, your second part of your question. It's it's the geology. And that's where we've been extremely fortunate. And, and that's why we haven't judged any other type of desal project, because we've just had the good fortune of having the right type of geology out there to pull in a high capacity uh, amount of water. And we've, we've determined that through sonar mapping uh, as well, and plus the, the positive impact of the successful slant well pilot that went out there. 
So I, I got to ask, because I think we've kind of danced around or talked about a little bit, but I, I'm curious. Uh, so the, the brine discharge, which I think is always the thing where stuff like this grinds to a halt, what exactly, or get, I don't want to get too technical, sure. but in terms of displacing it, like you say, it goes back into the ocean. It's, it's not going to be, is it going to be just like, you know, the end of a pipe and it drops down into it? Or is it, how do you plan to disperse it into the, in, back in? Excellent. Yeah. So this is what we went through with the regional water quality control board permitting process and um, the amount of modeling scientific modeling they had to go through was extremely intense um, to get to this point but basically you have a wastewater ocean outfall that goes out two miles into the ocean and right now it takes highly treated wastewater from a, a sewage treatment plant and percolates that out into the ocean uh, through these diffusers, you know, basically these perforations. Mm -hmm. And it's it's designed so it doesn't have an impact on marine life. So the regulatory community really prefers that if we were to, let, let me back up. So on the desal technology, you're taking in, let's say we're taking in 10 million gallons per day through our wells. We run it through treatment, which is reverse osmosis. So applying pressure, pushing it through a membrane, and 50% of that comes out as drinking water, 50% roughly comes out there as brine, concentrated brine, salty brine. And what the preferred regulatory approach is to take that brine and to mix it with your highly treated wastewater that's flowing out of that outfall and diffuse that. And, and that is what was modeled, scientifically modeled and shown and pass the state models to show that it meets the ocean plan requirement and does not cause these type of impacts to marine life there. So that's um, basically the technology in a nutshell. And I was gonna say, if anybody wants to review that, I believe it's a 1700 page EIR that I was yes. trying to look at yesterday <laughs> on your website. <laughs> Only 1700, you know, it, it goes by feet, Rick. It, the taller it oh, is, man. you know, the Delta one was, I think, uh, what? 10 feet tall of paperwork if you had to print it out. Mm -hmm. You know, we're, Rick, we're almost done today. Mm -hmm. We really appreciate it. Sure. But where can people go to get more information about this project if they want to show their support, if you need support letters? Where can they get more information? I appreciate that. So we are, it's on our website. We, we have an entire section dedicated to Doheny Ocean Desalination, scwd.org, O-R-G slash Doheny Desal, one word. So D-O-H-E-N-Y-D-E-S-A-L. Um, if you don't see it that way, right on the, the opening page, you'll see uh, it, it scrolling out there and you'll be able to click on Doheny Ocean Desal. We have all of our contact information and background materials right there. And we will put a link on, on this podcast to that website so people can get more information. I want to thank you, Rick, for joining us today. I appreciate your time. Um, can't wait to have you back when you're ready to move forward. Darcy, any last comments? No, Rick, this has been great. Thank you for all the information. It's been a wonderful conversation. Thank well, you, Rick. I, I really appreciate it. Thank, thank you very you much. Thank you for your time. Appreciate it. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to another We Grow California episode and being a part of our community. Be sure to like, subscribe, submit your questions, and guest requests at ecwaterpack.com forward slash podcast. That's E-C-W-A-T-E-R-P-A-C dot com forward slash podcast today.